I'm not going to take long, I promise you that, but as we get ready to jump into our series for tonight, let me just tell you that I was uh, just kind of reflecting back earlier on my time as a middle schooler and a high schooler. And those are probably days that you want to forget for some of you. You're like, I don't even want to go back there, Jay. Like, I look so much cooler now. You probably do. Maybe you were always cool. How many of you are like, no, Jay, I was always cool. Like, from a baby all the way up to the very present. Look at that confidence right there. I like that. I like that. That confidence. Right? He's like, yes, that's me. Duh. But for me, man, in middle school and in high school, one of the days that I really look forward to the most was a Wednesday night. Because a Wednesday night for me in Dayton, Ohio, which is where I was born and raised at, okay? In Dayton, Ohio, on a Wednesday night at the church where I came to know Christ as my personal Savior. Uh, it was a time for the church. We gathered together. It wasn't a big church. Honestly, on a, like, like a, a big Sunday or big Wednesday as far as attendance was like 50 of us in the room, okay? That was big for us. And I love our small church. It's okay to have mega churches. That's awesome too. But I love being able to know most people's names in the room. I love that, the intimacy of that. But uh, what I look forward to specifically on a Wednesday night was not just the Bible study, which was awesome. My pastor was great, man, at teaching the Bible. But uh, we also had a time of, of testimony, literally where folks would stand up one person after another, and sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so would get up, and they would testify about the goodness of God. I got to be honest with you. I love that. It was awesome. It built my faith. But I also kind of chuckled sometimes, especially as a middle schooler and even as a high schooler, to be honest with you, because there were some characters that I just couldn't wait to get up because you just knew it's going to be pretty crazy. Right? They get up, you know, and they would just get up and like, they would say, I just want to tell you how good God has been. I'm like, oh, it's going to be good. Get out the popcorn. It's going to be good. I love that. But I also love how we would wrap up our time together. We wouldn't just be like, oh, you dismissed, peace out. No, no, our pastor would say, okay, as a church family, we're going to get together. We're going to hold hands and let's share prayer requests. And so one person after another would share a prayer requests. And then, man, I would watch the brothers and the sisters, the saints, if you will, there. They would, man, press in with passion, with fervency in prayer. Man, it really stirred something even within my own heart. After watching them, I thought to myself, man, I want to learn how to pray like that. Especially because... Not only did these folks just pray week after week, but I also got to witness how God answered those prayers. And I want to tell you, God still answers prayers. You believe that? I'll ask you again. Maybe you haven't experienced that, so I'm going to ask you to lie. So if you're like, I don't really know, that's cool. But is there anybody in the room that's with me that believe God still answers prayer? Amen? He does. Week after week, there at Antioch, we would watch how people would come back and they would share, I pray for my son who was so far from God and God has brought him back. He saved him. It may not, it may not happen in, you know, immediately, but sometimes it was years. But as a middle schooler, all the way up to high school, before I went off to college, see how God, he answered prayer after prayer after prayer. Pretty amazing. I remember one of my pastors saying to him, would you, pastor, teach me how to pray? I want that to be a part of the rhythm of my life. Have you ever come to a point even in your own life where you're like, man, I just want to get better at prayer? Anybody? Anybody? Even in this room and this brand new year, maybe that is your desire. And guess what? You are not the only person who has felt that way. In fact, if you read scripture, there was a group that hung out with Jesus, picked out by him called the disciples. One day they were watching Jesus as he was doing what? Praying. And they said, hey! Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? 
Oh, and then he began to lay out for them, not just some routine, something to be recited, but a, a model, if you will, a rhythm, a flow on how to pray. And we still have the words as an example for us, even today, to learn from found in Scripture. In fact, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, would you join me in Matthew chapter 6? We're going to be there in just a few moments. Today, we're beginning a brand new series that we are simply have entitled, Pray Like This. You say, Jay, where did you get that from? Because when the disciples asked that question to Jesus, and he said, they said, would you teach us how to pray? He literally, his response was, pray like this. And then he began to go into this beautiful prayer that we can learn from. Over Christmas break, I hope that you had a great Christmas break, by the way. I certainly did. I went to Ohio with my family. We had a good time. We laughed. We ate. We slept. I slept in. Many days until my eyes just popped open, okay? Even our boys, we have one-year-old twin boys, Jude and Justice. I had to tap them. They, they got the vacation mode too, man, the memo. I, was, I had to tap them a couple of days because they were sleeping in until noon. That was not like them. I was like, are they alive? I hope so. They were alive. They're fine. While I was over break, one of the things I prayed was, God, what would you what would you want for the BCM as we move into the spring semester? The fall was absolutely incredible, but certainly you want to do something anew, afresh in our ministry. One of the things that I asked the Lord was, God, if you could have your total way in our ministry at the BCM, what would you do? What would that look like? And the one word that came to my mind was just this word right here, closer. That we would be drawn closer to Christ. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, I don't even believe in God. You're welcome here. And you're like, I, I don't even know how I'm infillable. I'm a skeptic. I'm an agnostic. That's cool. You are more than welcome to belong here way before you believe anything we believe. But for those of you that do. Believe in Christ. And even if you do not, I can tell you God's desire is to have a personal relationship with each one of us that's in the room. That we have a close one. This semester, speaking of closer, we want to man, learn how to communicate with God in prayer. We want to learn how to feed ourselves from the word of God. We want to learn how to not just hear God's word, but to obey God's word. There's a lot of us in the room, you've grown around the word of God. You were born in your church nursery. You can tell, you can spit a lot of scriptures, but that is cool. How are you obeying it, though? Is obedience something that marks your, your walk with the Lord? Scripture memory, something that we may see as kind of old school, but we, we need to bring that back. We need to recover scripture memory. And that's one of the things we want to do this year. We're going to do that specifically in the context of what we call discipleship groups, which you're going to hear more about later tonight. And evangelizing, meaning, man, sharing our faith. There's folks all over this campus that need to know about Jesus. They need to hear about the good news about Christ. And we also, as we draw closer to the Lord, want to, man, teach you as students how to renew your spirit every single day. That's one of the reasons, by the way, we have in a couple of weeks we're calling Collegiate Weekend, where all of the BCMs across the state will come together in St. Augustine. We're going to spend a couple of days together to draw close to God, to draw close to one another, and so that our spirits can be renewed. I hope that you will join us there. The Lord's Prayer, it is a pattern, not just a routine. How many of you grew up in a church, maybe where was the Lord's Prayer was recited often in your church? Come on, raise your hand. Anybody? Anybody like that? 
How many of you, maybe even you knew people, they weren't even walking with Jesus. They didn't have a relationship with him, but they knew the Lord's prayer. They just knew it somehow, some way. And so we can, we can get just from that experience that the Lord's prayer is just like something that you are supposed to recite. No, 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 no. It is a pattern. And here's the pattern that we see. It'll be on the screen here in just a few moments. Here is the pattern the Lord really lays out for us. We're going to see over the next couple of weeks together. Part of my responsibility tonight is to kind of set up this series, jump us into the first verse for tonight. And then following me, we have some incredible brothers that I had the opportunity to tag team with. Next week, we're going to have Trent Roseman from First Baptist of Tampa. He's going to be on the teaching team this spring. And he's an incredible man communicator. And he's fired up, okay, about teaching God's word. And then following that, we're going to have Pastor Zelvis. And if you've been around for Pastor Zelvis, you already know, man, he's going to walk into the building and just look like, all right, just walk, just stay back, okay? Stay back. He's going to come and he's going to be tag teaming through this series as well, teaching through the Lord's Prayer. And here's what we're going to discover as we walk through it. We're going to discover this pattern here. You can put it up on the screen. First of all, as we, as we, as the Lord teaches his disciples how to pray and teaches us as well, it starts off with praise, praise. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Matthew 6, 9. The next thing you will then see is it begins to move into agenda. We don't ask God for what we want. We ask God for what he wants in our life. That his will from heaven would be done in our life here on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is. In heaven, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 says. And then it begins to move into provision. Give us today, say today, our daily bread. God has fresh bread, fresh sustenance for our souls every single day. And we will discover that as we draw closer, say closer to him. Forgiveness is another uh, the topic that's kind of laid out here in the Lord's Prayer, you'll see that in Matthew 6, verse 12, where it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I am sure that's going to be some week together when we get there. So I believe there's probably some folks even in this room who maybe you struggle with receiving God's forgiveness in your life because of something you've done, because we all have a past in this room, by the way. Or maybe you are in a place where you are struggling to release the unforgiveness that you have because of something that someone has done to you. We're going to walk through that and deal with that then. Protection is something that's also mentioned here in, uh, in, in this passage of Scripture, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6.13. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us, deliver us from evil. And then it wraps up with a doxology which is really this hymn of praise. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And somebody say, amen. Say amen. No, it's not like you mean it. Say amen. Amen. Excited for us to walk through this. It's pretty interesting. When the disciples asked Jesus this question, Lord, would you teach us how to pray 2,000 years ago? You may think to yourself that they were kind of like us. They didn't really know anything about prayer, but that is not the case. I hope it's okay if I just teach a little bit tonight. That's not the case because these guys, these disciples were first century Jewish men. And these Jewish men actually knew a lot about prayer. More so than we do probably in this room. 
They knew more about prayer than it seems just by glancing at the text without us digging actually deeper. So what did the first century Jewish prayer look like then? Jesus had come at this time, by the way, to establish a new way of life, a new kingdom, a new way of connecting with God. And so the disciples said, okay, sweet. Teach pray. But there was a liturgy, by the way, for these Jewish men consisted of three primary corpses. The first, it was twice daily resuscitation of something called the Shema, which is the central statement of Jewish monotheistic belief. Can I teach a little bit? Is that okay? It's pretty interesting. So imagine you grew up in a church where you learn about the Apostles' Creed, which probably some of you in the room, you have learned that before. Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody ever heard of the Apostles' Creed? You've learned about it before. Imagine that. Kind of what this is. Basically, these credo one-line belief statements about what Christianity is. They had one called the Shema. The Shema, which is basically Judaism in a statement. Pretty interesting. And so daily prayer for them was we recite this Shema and the blessing that goes on the front and the back end. The second thing is they would have had a prayer of 18 different blessings, also known as the Amadah, which is recited several different times throughout the day. The third thing is there was this public resuscitation of the Torah in installment. So first, there was a little bit of scripture they would recite in in installment, a little bit at a time. It was their calendar. It was the way their schools were run. It was built into their family and mealtime. So the disciples, they had an understanding, some understanding of what prayer was. But as they looked at Jesus, they said, man, there's something that's different about his prayer life that we need to learn from. And it wasn't true just for them. It's also true for us. And over the next couple of weeks, if you lean in and you would make a commitment to say, I'm not going to miss any week, I believe God's going to teach us how to pray. So today, real quickly, let's start off with just a, a few words from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, which says this, pray like this, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Heaven. Say those words. Say, our Father in heaven. The prayer Jesus teaches to his disciples is a prayer that is plural in form. Pretty interesting. Check this out. In verse 9, he's using these words, our Father in heaven. In verse 11, give us today our daily bread. In verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us us from the evil one. I find it interesting that Jesus, he does not introduce his prayer with the words, my father. Isn't it interesting? He could have simply said, okay, when you pray, pray like this, my father who is in heaven. No, he was very intentional about his words from the beginning to the end of the Lord's prayer. And he starts off by saying, our father in heaven. 
Instead, immediately, he reminds us all that for those of us who are in Christ, listen, we are born into a family. We are born into the family of God. That is what happens when you surrender your life over to Christ. The Spirit of God comes into your life, takes up residence in your life, and immediately you become a part of the family of God. It's not a perfect family. Oh, but it's a beautiful family indeed. Anybody grateful for the family of God in the house? Make some noise in the house right now. Our Father, he says, our Father in heaven. Listen, we need each other. We, we need one another. We need to pray for one another as well. Speaking of that, actually on Monday morning, starting this coming Monday, throughout the remaining of this series, we are simply going to have something called Monday morning prayer. Because we don't want to just walk through a series, okay? We're just getting a bunch of information. No, we believe God wants to transform us individually and collectively. And so this is an open invitation for every single person that is in this room, if you're able to be there, to join us upstairs in that game room, okay? We're going to press in and learn how to pray together over the next several weeks. Don't feel guilty. You can't make it. No one's pressuring you. It's totally fine. For those who are going to be present, you're not going to get more brownie points in heaven, okay? It's, it's just that sometimes the best way for us to man, build our spiritual muscles is to do it with our brother and our sister to our right and to our left with us. And so this is the, this is the time that we've carved out to be there. Our staff will be there. We encourage you to come. We need each other, our Father in heaven. Jesus intentionally takes the me, the my, and the mine out of the equation, and he puts the our, the us, and the we into the prayer. Our Father in heaven. I don't know about you, but I, I suddenly find immediately as I walk through this, the first part of the Lord's prayer, that I, there's a bigger reference here. There's always a bigger story that is happening around you, by the way. You have what's going on in your life, and God cares about that. But look to your right and to your left. Look to your right and to your left right now. Look who's sitting next to you. If, the, if there is one that's sitting next to you, God cares about them as well. He cares about what's going on in their individual lives as well. Our Father who art in heaven. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 says this, For this reason... Paul says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So beautiful. God is mankind to family. The family of God. And in this one opening, our Father, Jesus, gives us permission to see ourselves, for those of us who are in Christ, included in this family. I'm so glad. That the disciples asked the question, teach us to pray. Would you teach us? Would you teach us how to pray? Jesus, he says, our Father. Think about it just for a moment. What if you would have used the words, my Father? If you would have said, my Father. There's always the chance that you and I could have felt eternally excluded. But he is not just ours. What is the next word in that statement? Our what? Our what? Our what? Our what? Our Father. Can we wrestle with that just for a moment? 
word father, by the way, in the Hebrew actually has lots of meaning. It means source and origin. Jesus drew a lot of source, strength, sustenance, if you will, from his father in heaven. He says, man, he is our father. The last song that we just sang, well, that some of us sang because we don't know Spanish, you know, which is awesome. We were saying, good, good father. I got to be honest with you. I don't know what kind of home you grew up in, but I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Some of you, you've heard parts of my testimony. My biological mother I've never met. All I know is that she was strung out on drugs, gave birth to me, birthed to me on a street corner. My biological dad I've never met. I was a ward of a state, went from foster home to foster home to foster home. Crazy. Not enough time to tell you, but I do serve a good God. However, growing up, when I would hear someone say that God, man, he's a good father, it was hard for me to receive that because I was looking at my heavenly father through my earthly father's lens. Does that make sense? And maybe that's the case for some of you in the room even tonight. That even hearing God, Jesus start off by the Lord's prayer saying, our father, you're like, I'm already turned off. Because all I can think about when it comes to the word father is my earthly father. And maybe for some of you, your earthly father, he's absent, he's angry. You can never please him. You fill in the blank, I don't know. But maybe for some of you in the room, and I hope for a good amount of you in the room, you have a great relationship with your dad. But even for the greatest fathers that are represented here in this room, they still peril in comparison to our Heavenly Father. Our Father in heaven, Father, source and origin. By the way, prayer was something that Jesus, he modeled. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35 through 39, here is what it said, very early in the morning. Where are all my early morning risers at? Anybody that you just love waking up early in the morning? Yes, yes, yes. Now, where are the rest of you who are like me? You're like, honestly, if I could stay in the bed till noon, I would do that. Come on, be honest in the house. Anybody like that? Like, I would just sleep in as long as I, as long as I could. Well, Jesus, it says he got up very early in the morning. You say, well, how early? Scripture says, while it was still dark. That's pretty early. That's before the sun came up. He got up. He went out. What did he do? It says he, he made his way. He made his way to a deserted place, and he was praying there. Pretty interesting. This is how he starts off his day, with his father in prayer. And then Simon, his companion, comes when searching for him, and they found him, and they said, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. So he went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out the demons. Here's something that we can learn even just from this one verse about Jesus' life. Jesus spent hours doing one thing, and then it seems like seconds doing the other. He spends hours spending time with the, his father in prayer, his source and strength. And then his ministry, it followed that. Sometimes we get it twisted. We go out, we want to talk about Jesus without first spending time with him. And it will not be long before you will be ministering from 
an empty bucket instead of from the overflow. Our Father, oh, He has great source and He is great strength. Listen to the words in John chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. Then Jesus replied, I assure you, the Son is not able to do anything on His own, but only what He sees the Father doing. This is one of the primary reasons why Jesus, He spent time with His Father in prayer. Because He recognized Jesus. He was like, isn't He divine? Yes, but He was also human while He was here on earth. He was both human and divine. And he says, I assure you, the son, speaking of himself, is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son also does these things in the same way. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. And he will show him greater work than these so that you will be amazed. Jesus, he explains what intimacy looks like with the father He says, listen, I go to the Father first. I I see what he is doing. I get my directions, my marching orders from him, and then that overflows into my life. Teach us to pray. Our Father, our Father. There's a couple of distinct characteristics I just want to mention tonight. There's way more than this about our Father who is in heaven. And then we're going to wrap up our time together. Here's the first thing if you're taking notes about our Father who is in heaven. This same Father that Jesus says we need to start off our prayer, man, praising and adoring. First of all, you need to know this. God is a loving Father. I don't know what your daddy is like or was like, but the God of the Bible, the God who created the heavens and the earth, he is a loving Father. John 3.16, which is a familiar verse, and it should never get old. It's always beautiful. It says, for God so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. I can't imagine that. I have two boys. I can't imagine giving up one for some scrubs. I just can't. But that's why God is God, and I am not. Aren't you grateful that God is God and you are not God? He is a loving father. Jesus introduces us to a father that is not angry or resentful or demanding, but one who loves. Here's the next thing. I hope this encourages you. Another characteristic about this father, who Jesus says we need to to pray to. Our father. Well, this father, God is a consistent father. He's consistent. I don't know about your daddy. Maybe there are days when he's just on. You love him, and there's other days when he is not. I can tell you, as much as I will try to be a good dad to my boys, there will be days when I will not be consistent. But our Father in heaven, he is consistent. Listen to Scripture, James chapter 1, verse 17. says this, Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With him, there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. He doesn't have mood swings, okay? He's not going to be like, I'm good with you in the morning, and then by noon, nope, uh uh-uh, peace out, deuces. That's not our God. He is consistent. God is consistent. Who God is today is the same God I can count on tomorrow. Anybody grateful for that in the house? 
He simply does not change like we do. Oh, we change, don't we? We change. We change our heights. We change our moods. We change our styles. We change our hair. How many of you have different hair or maybe almost no hair now than you did when you were in middle school? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody? It's like, yep, my hairstyle is just a little bit different than it was when I was in middle school. Look at that. How about your style? How many of you say, Jay, my style has definitely changed from, let's say, from sixth grade. Anybody still wearing the same clothes you wore in sixth grade? I hope not. Has anybody style changed? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody style changed since you were in middle school? Yes, we change. We change. We change. We change. We change our grades, hopefully for the better. We change sceneries. We change our cars. We change our homes. How many of you have lived in more than one home in your lifetime? Anybody in the room? Look at that. All over the room. Many hands. But our God, he does not change. There is a theological word that's for it that describes it. It says it is immutability. It is this idea that in my world that is constantly changing, God never does. And we are living in a changing world. It seems like it's changing at a rapid pace, but I am grateful. I don't have to be anxious or worried at all because the God that I serve, he is consistent. He never changes according to the scriptures. And here's the last thing for tonight. That is this. God is a competent father. Are you facing something in your life even right now where you're just like, I'm not even sure what to do? It's possible for honest that for some of you, I know you were singing the songs and you look good on the outside and you look like you took a shower and checked yourself in the mirror before you came. But for some of you, you're going through some unbelievable struggles in your life right now. For some of you in the room, you may have some strongholds or maybe even some addictions that are there and you're just tired, you're ashamed, you're not quite sure how to get out. And you, the enemy has even convinced you that God doesn't even know how to help you get out of it. That is a lie. God is a competent father. In Luke chapter 1, verse 37, it says this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. He's never had a moment where something happened in my life or yours where he didn't know what to do or what to say because he is a competent father and he cares. He cares for you and for me. He is a caring father. Aren't you grateful for that? There are some folks, when you call them, you hope they'll pick up the phone. But sometimes you know that you know, you know they saw your phone call and they saw your text, but they ignored it. They were too busy to care about what you were going through. I am so grateful that God, he'll never hit decline when I come to him. He cares. He cares very deeply. Psalm 145, verse 18 says, the Lord is close to all who call him. Yes, to all who call on him specifically in truth. It's possible you feel brokenhearted today over something that's going on in your life. And here is the deal. God cares about that. In Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And life has a way of bringing you to that place sometimes. Where you don't even have words, your spirit is just crushed. God, he cares. Maybe even today, you feel like you're drowning. 
for whatever the reason may be. God, he cares. He's a caring father. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2, you can write this down, and I hope that it will encourage you. It says this, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Notice what it says, by the way. It says, when you, not if you do. If you keep on living, life will bring you through some deep waters. I can promise you that. When you do get there, listen, you need to understand that you, you have a God who will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, and I have had many in my life, you will not drown. I'm a testimony. God has had a way in times where I thought I was going to drown through those rivers of difficulty to help me keep standing. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Our Father in heaven. Lord, would you take us, take us how to pray? Okay. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed, he says. Be your name. Our Father who is in heaven, there is no one like him. His, his name is like in a category all by itself. No one can compare it to him. He's a great God. And for those of you who have tasted and experienced him in your life, oh, you know how good he is.